This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast, now with Digitant Podcast. How's it going, guys? I hope you are having a great week. For a lot of us, at least here in LA, we are... Uh, what's... Too loud. Too loud for you? No. I'll break this out. Listen, I have to talk. It's a podcast. That's the point. It's too loud. It's too loud. Okay, well, I'm just going to keep on going so I can be done soon, all right? Mm-hmm. Okay, my friends. Uh, it is, it is, uh, it's mid-August and it's back to school. So, uh, my kiddo's not, not, not yet doing that soon though. And, um, will be soon. Lots of friends giving their kids off to the teachers in tearful goodbyes. Lots of crying, um, or for some parents, lots of excitement. Um, so I hope you guys are doing well out there with back to school. And if it's not this week, it's potentially, the, uh, the next two weeks, right? All right, uh, what's going on with Wrap Your Head Around Silks? Uh, roll it out, you guys. Uh, this is becoming, it, it is slowly becoming such a, such an important thing in my life. Too much talking. Would you like to say hello to the listeners? I think, you, I think you, your ding is going to die soon. Oh, yes. My computer says low battery. You're so smart, Bean. Should I go plug it in? Yeah. Okay, can I do this first? Um, you got to plug it in now. Okay, let me do it really quick, because I'm just going to introduce our guest. Well, I think it's going to die really quick, and, and you need to plug it. Okay, can you just let me do it? You had to plug right there. I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, and then I'll plug it in in literally two minutes from now, okay? Fine. Okay, fine. Cool. Um, you know, Roll It Out's slowly becoming such an important thing in my life, because without it, in the weeks that I don't end up teaching, you know, either people are busy or whatever... I'm in pain. So you guys, um, yesterday we actually worked on um, one of my clients. She had a headache. So I was like, okay, we're going to work on right above Osula. Osula had a headache. And so we worked on the fascia bundles right above the ears. We did head massage on ourselves. And then um, I showed them how to, you know, roll out the jaw, which actually gets really, really tight because we're doing all those pull-ups and like the entire front of the neck into the chest, into the ribcage, always super tight. So also check out the website. There's a lot of free, free stuff for you guys there. All right. Today we have... Mom, mom, I'm... Are you taking long? I'm taking so long. Well, you're... Mom's going to die soon if you not plug it. Okay, but I just have to... I just need to introduce um, Jessica, and then we can we can plug it in, okay? But but you're going to forget. No, I'm not going to forget. All right, this is Jessica Peterson. She is the owner of Matriescence Occupational Therapy based in Austin, Texas, and she decided to niche down and really help women right after birth. She does home visits. She does consultations, finds out and gets to the meat of what women really need in that fourth trimester. So um, she's also a circus person. She's an aerialist. She's a juggler. We have friends in common. Um, we, have, we have a ball talking. So I can't wait, you guys, wait for you guys to hear this. Let's get started. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. You fit this podcast like a glove. Yeah, yeah. I like, <laughs> I've been listening to it, I think, for almost a year. But I was like, what Yay! is this? This is amazing. <laughs> it's my niche inside <laughs> of <the> niche. <laughs> uh, 
is a nichiest niche that a niche could dream to have. You know, it's like, how much can you get specific? Well, we're doing it here. So, um, so listeners, Jessica reached out to me and she is like everything for this podcast. So Jessica, if you'd introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I'd like to go back and start where you wrote me about and how you, how you found circus. Um, but yeah, introduce yourself. If I ever mute myself, that's because Bean's making some noise and I don't want to interrupt you, but, um, I'm still listening. Sounds good. Yeah. So I am Jessica Peterson. I am an occupational therapist and a mom of two little girls. They are now five and seven, which is incredible looking back at this whole journey. Um, I was born and raised in California in the San Bernardino mountains. Um, and, uh, there wasn't a lot to do <laughs> and I was perfectly content with that. Um, but my little sister who's four years younger, she was like always doing all the sports. So she was doing gymnastics and she, uh, had to go what we called down the hill for that. Um, and then the gymnastics closed and they had to find something else to do her friend and her. And so they went over to Redlands, which is an hour drive from us. And, um, I don't know if you know this, but they have, the YMCA there has a youth circus program and they start with kids as young as like four and go all the way up through high school and beyond and teach these kids all of these circus skills. It's incredible. And they have a show every year. So anyways, that is how I kind of got into the circus world was like watching her do this from like, I think it was middle school on. She got super, super into it. Um, and so as part of that, like our family, it's in California. So there's juggling festivals all over the place all the time. And juggling was one of the skills that she learned. And so we would go as a family, especially to Santa Barbara, they had one, we'd go camping in Santa Barbara, attend the Isla Vista juggling festival. And so I basically grew up through high school, knowing all of these jugglers and aerialists and circus people. Um, and that was amazing. Did you get involved yet? Did you get involved at that time? When, yeah, I were mean, you taking class too? I so when I was in high school, it was just like a place to hang out. Like during these festivals, we'd go like during spring break, especially. There was two. There was Isla Vista, and then there was one called Nomadic, which I think was like in the summer, and it like traveled around to cities in California. Um, so like I learned to unicycle during a juggling festival, and I sort of learned to juggle but I'm not the most coordinated person ever and so fast forward I went to um college in Riverside at UC Riverside and they had juggling club there and so I was like okay I I, I know jugglers and so it was because of that that I actually learned how to juggle because I would just like go to juggling club twice a week in college and just stand around and learn. Otherwise I never would have. That's also how I learned how to really unicycle because I had to like, I unicycled from class to class. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then you met your husband through this in college? Yes. So in college, I went to a juggling festival in Las Vegas. Um, and oh gosh, you know what? It might've been like very, very early college because my sister was only 13 at the time. Actually, she met him in Las Vegas when she was 13 at a juggling festival. And um, then several years later, I went to one with, coincidentally, my ex-boyfriend. We had just broken up, but had decided to go to this juggling festival before. 
we broke up. And so we went to this juggling festival. I was like, I do not want to hang out with my ex-boyfriend. Who do I know? <laughs> so my sister had introduced me to this other juggler, Nathan. And so I went and I found him and we hung out. And um, yeah, the rest is history. He was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And I was still in California, like finishing college. So that's a whole nother, other story. We, we did long distance for like four years as I finished college and then grad school. Oh my God. You have a longer circus history than I do. Cause I only started when I was 30. Oh really? Wow. I mean, yeah. I feel like yeah. I, I dabbled. Yeah. It was like, it was like double circus, double circus, mostly juggling. And then at some point I was like, wait a second, why am I juggling? This is not, I don't even like doing this, <laughs> but the <those laughs> aerialist, that looks fun because I tried cheerleading in middle school because I wanted to do the stunting but they wouldn't let me do it because there were other girls that were doing like the, the flying. I was like, well, this sucks. And I hated like all of the actual like chore choreography, but I wanted to be up in the air. And so when I found aerials, I was like, oh, this is, this is how I can get up in the air. Um, and so, yeah. And so I started, I started actually during college, my sister bought me some classes. I think they were in Gosh, my word, they were in Redlands, I think. There were some of those Redlands YMCA circus people. Oh, my God. So what year was that? So that was, oh, gosh. Okay, so I went to college in 2005 through 2009. So that must have been like 2007 or so. And so some of the, okay. some of the circus aerialists, they would go to the juggling festival. So I don't know if you know Rob Kreitz. Or Jack and Jerry Calvin. I know Jack and Jerry very well. The first one I don't, but Jack and Jerry are, um, that's where I first started training and I teach there now at their house. Oh, you teach at their house? Oh my gosh. How did I not know this? <laughs> I see them. I mention them here and there, but I see them twice a week on rotation. Yeah. They're, they're my longest circus family. Actually. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So Jack and Jerry, actually, they were the like first parents that I saw, like doing circus and aerials and parenting because they like would bring, I think it was Max at the time was a little tiny baby. Yeah. <laughs> they'd bring him to the festival. And he's 17 now. Yeah. Almost crazy. 18. That and kid. they would do the hand, the hand balancing, the hand balancing. Oh my gosh. They always do that. And so as soon as we had our babies, my husband, like, I think my daughter, my older daughter, who's now seven, she was like two weeks old. He was like hand balancing. <laughs> so you've, you've been in my circles. I just haven't met you. Did you, I mean, you don't live here in LA anymore, but did you used to spend a lot of time with them at JJ's? Um, just during juggling festivals. I have been to their gym um, a couple times, but not for like a long, long time because I moved out of, um, of California when I, after, well, so I went to grad school for occupational therapy in 2009 in San Jose. And then in 2011, I graduated and I moved to Austin where my husband is living or was living. And now we're, we've been there ever since. So I haven't been kind of like in the like California circus arts world and definitely not in like the aerialist world because I kind of started aerials here more and are you at like the school that everybody goes to sky candy oh yeah 
Sky Candy. Sky can I started Sky Candy when it was like this little like a few people in a um it was like a a, a like a plane rig like what am I trying to say? Word finding problems. Where the where they like have the airplanes go and they store them. They had oh <laughs> okay a, a hanger. hanger it's a yes, hanger thank you they had like a few rig points in this hanger and there was no air conditioning um so the, yeah I took my very first class in Austin at Sky Candy before they even had um a studio and now they're two or three studios after that and they're amazing and um Winnie the owner is just doing great things so, yeah. Are you, is it a small enough community that everyone who takes class there you've seen or, or know? Um, or is it bigger than it's that? It's like sort of apparatus specific. So like, you know, the people that do your apparatus, but also like I'm in even like a niche group because I take classes during the day. So the people that take classes during the day are like parents or they have like jobs that are flexible. And I've been taking trapeze classes there now for, oh my gosh. I think like eight years and it's just kind of the same okay. group of people and we just sort of like rotate and you know hank so dance trap dance trap is your is your jam it's it's mostly just like static trapeze dual, dual okay. points dual points single point I can okay sort, I can sort of do but see the dance part the choreography part is the part that's hard for me Okay. So I just had a, at Womack and Bowman, the great thing about working there is over the summer, like we get like everybody coming into town if it's a week, if it's the whole summer. So I have a couple people coming in who live in Austin and train during the, during the year at Sky Candy. There's Silks people though. So I don't know if you'd know that. I might, I might. I started in Silks. You know, it's really fun, but it wasn't like that for the three years after pandemic because people, you know, it started to build up now. It's building back up. This is our first real summer, I guess. Oh so, my gosh. Um, yeah. Between that and the podcast, my, my worldwide aerial tribe is, my, my aerial life is exploding because I get to do this podcast because I do the podcast, I should say. Um, but okay. So Jessica, tell me a little bit about your business because I think that it would be really helpful to the listeners and and we're going to talk about how you came upon it, the idea, and then maybe some uh, maybe some advice for the ladies out there. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'll start with defining what occupational therapy is, because sometimes that is a nefarious term. People are like, what? So <laughs> um, occupational therapy is actually a healthcare professional that helps people engage in occupations, which are any activity that occupies your time uh, in a meaningful way to you. And usually after like a life change or a challenge. Um, so that can incur include recovery, development, disability, and in maternal health, which is like the health of mothers, um, that includes preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Because if we're looking at motherhood, as a developmental stage, we're going through all of the body and brain changes that you would with like, if you compare it to adolescence, for example. So my business is called Matrescence Occupational Therapy. 
And matrescence is a word that is similar to adolescence, but for mothers. So with adolescence, your body and your brain and your roles and your routines, everything in your life is changing rapidly because you're going through all of these transitions. Um, and it's the same for motherhood. Even mothers who did not go through pregnancy, there's still all of these changes in your roles, your routines, your life, and your occupations, the things that you do during the day. So occupational therapists are really the very like perfect holistic professionals to kind of help with some of the challenges that come up with motherhood. And, um, and during the pandemic where this all started, um, I, and so many moms that I knew were basically trapped in their houses with kids. And <laughs> during that time, I couldn't work as an occupational therapist because I was working in the hospital, but not full time. And so I kind of, I was there at home and going crazy. And I was thinking this must be happening to every mom that there ever is in this world because we're taking on so many roles during the pandemic. We're teaching our children. We have them all day long. So they're not going to daycare. We are not able to do some of the other things that are meaningful to us, such as work or leisure socialization, because we're like all here together with our kids. So that personally got me thinking about like, how does my role as an occupational therapist like fit together with what's going on with mothers specifically in the pandemic? Um, and so that kind of led me to actually go back to school. So I am currently um, pursuing my post-professional doctorate at Boston University and I'll be done in August. And um, so basically doing my doctorate, I started like thinking about different things that I could do with this because I really wanted to just kind of like change the traje trajectory of my career because I had been working in the medical model in the hospital for basically eight years while I had my kids. And I kind of felt disconnected from my profession. Um, and so I had a colleague at work who had recently had her first child. And we just started kind of talking about how hard motherhood is and what occupational therapists could be doing in this space. And we decided to just start a private practice, which is kind of bonkers, kind of crazy, but you know, there was nothing really stopping us. Um, and so when we started the business, we thought, well, we're going to do group classes for moms and sort of educate them on all of these different things that OTs know that moms need to know. So like, what does that examples are like physical and mental changes during pregnancy, um, physical and mental changes postpartum and how to kind of manage those things. Like, I don't know if you've heard of mommy thumb, but there's this like basically inflammation that happens in your tendons when you're holding a baby with your thumb out like constantly and this weight is like pushing on your thumb and so that causes people a lot of pain and discomfort but what are you going to do you still have to hold your baby you still have to breastfeed um you have to hold your flanges all of those things but you're having a lot of pain and discomfort so occupational therapists can help pain management during those sorts of tasks but they're like mother specific tasks. So we thought anyways, that we 
provide some education in a group setting. Um, and we quickly learned that the market is saturated with mom and baby classes. <laughs> There's a whole lot. Um, and we don't necessarily stand out um, because people don't know who occupational therapists are, especially in like the mom space. So um, what we do, what our current model is, is we actually see moms in their homes and we do like individualized practice. So um, oftentimes people come with, to us because they're having like stress um, or concerns supporting their baby's development or they're having issues with infant feeding. And we are unique in that we actually come into the home and we work with mom and baby and their entire support system. So whoever is actually involved in supporting that mom and baby, um, so that might be a partner, it might be a grandparent, we provide education and um, training to them to help with whatever is coming up. Uh, so sometimes it's breast or bottle feeding, uh, you know, I have, uh, and my colleague also have specialized training in breastfeeding and postpartum support. Um, infant or mom sleep. We also work with uh, maternal mental health is a big one. We have specialty training on perinatal mental health care. So um, focusing on educating moms about what perinatal mental health um, concerns could look like with depression or with postpartum psychosis, anxiety, things like that. And we are able to screen for those things. So we basically can come in and we can look at a whole bunch of different problems um, with the focus on the experience of the mom. And that's pretty unique, we think. Oh yeah. Um... And you are still in, you're going, your practice is in the Austin area. It is. So we see people in the greater Austin area. Um, and then we also have started doing some telehealth with clients who are in the state of Texas, because that is where our license allows us to practice. So are you doing a PhD online? I'm doing a doctorate online. Yes. And um, it's a little bit different than a PhD. It's shorter. So it's a two years um, and it's not so research-based. So it's basically, it's, it's project-based. Oh, yeah. I am sure that happens a lot, but all the people that I know that are getting doctorates are not doing it online. And I live in California, so there's a lot of <laughs> universities here. Oh, yeah. How is that? How is it doing it online? Yeah. Um, so it's actually really cool it makes it a possibility. Uh, like I said, I started during COVID. So a lot of universities won't even open. And at Boston University, this particular program has been 100% online for the history of it, it like 14 years. So they actually had it like down pat. This was their regular thing. And I have classmates from all over the world. And that's like, oh, that's so very, cool. very cool. It's also designed for, it's a post-professional program. So Every person in this program is already a practicing occupational therapist and are usually going to school around their full-time jobs. So it's super flexible that way as well. Um, what a tribe you must be uh, developing there. That must be really cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and hard. 
But you're also starting a business and getting your doctorate at the same time, and you have two girls. Wow. It's, it's a crazy, crazy time. But it's it's really so much fun because I spent a long time, the first eight years of my girls' lives, I spent, you know, in pregnancy and early motherhood and that's really hard mentally and physically. And it's hard to, I mean, people like you that are doing like businesses and podcasts and have like two and three year olds. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you, you are doing amazing, incredible work because it's so hard to focus. It's like, <laughs> you know, we, when we talk about as occupational therapists, we look a lot about a at the environment and a lot of early motherhood is like this sensory overload where you've got like, yeah. you know, kiddos touching you and kiddos calling your name and pulling on your leg and like needing you for all this stuff. And that's so wonderful and all, but it gets to you. It's like, it, it's a lot. So sometimes, you know, it's good to have something else that you can focus on and put your energy on that's meaningful to you. Um, I feel like my brain doesn't work half the time anymore. Like it's real, like it's real. And my partner, I have to remind him. He's like, how could you miss that? I was like, what do you mean? How could I miss that? I've got this, like this creature crawling on me 24 seven needing me. And I have one, I have many friends and, um, now, now friends of the podcast that have multiple and I don't even know how the brain even learns how to juggle after one because at least I can scoop her up. It's contained. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's contained. Whereas you have more than one and it's like just ants around you and you can't find where they're going. I don't, I don't even understand. But so, yeah. So for, let's, let's give you a kind of a, an example of a mom. Let's just say you have a mom who is home. She is showing signs of postpartum depression. She can't get her baby to latch. She is sleep deprived. I mean, that is very common, right? Those three yep. things together. Yep. Um, how would you go in there and try to try to help her? Yeah. So the first thing that we do is an evaluation and that is about 90 minutes. We do that in the home and we do what's called an occupational profile. And that's a huge part of what occupational therapists do to sort of start figuring out how they're going to solve problems with the client. Um, and so that is essentially a really long interview talking about her history with pregnancy, her history with birth, her history with her child's development, and then how things are going for her. And the nice thing about us being right there in the home is that we can actually see what's going on. So with that mom, for example, you know, maybe she's having trouble with the latch and she is trying to nurse like on a couch or over a bed or something that's like not really supporting her body or the baby's body. Um, and so we really look at those environmental factors first and kind of figure out, okay, what's working for you with latch and nursing, what's not working for you. 
And then with the mater- with the mental health symptoms, we, we we do a screening to see if those symptoms are actually aligned with like a we call them PMAD. So they're perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. We've moved from postpartum depression was the one that we focused on before, but now we know that there's actually a bunch of different disorders um, and they can manifest in different ways. So depending on the results of that screen, we would probably refer to a mental health professional. Um, But if it's something that we call baby blues, which is usually something that happens in the first two weeks, your mood is generally happy, but also you could be having some challenges and some, some fluctuations in mood. That is something that an occupational therapist can actually support. And so um, we'd kind of figure out, okay, are there different tools that the mom can use to kind of help with her mood regulation or maybe with her sensory regulation if the issue is that like she's feeling really overwhelmed. Um, so we'd look at that, the latch, the positioning. We also look at her home environment. So are there things that she can do in her home that can actually make life easier? So maybe she can save energy by instead of having one diaper station that's all the way in the bedroom that she's like going into to change her baby, maybe we can have one in the living room where she is most of the time so that when she has to change her baby, she doesn't have to like schlep from room to room because maybe that is just like too much for her. Maybe she's, like you said, sleep deprived. Um, And so with the sleep, we do a lot of education on like the development of sleep for babies, how we can kind of take this knowledge and work it around the mom's schedule. And then that's also when the support system comes into play. So if she has a partner, for example, we would ideally have the partner there and kind of talk to them about, okay, how can we make sure that both of you are getting sleep so both of you can support this infant? Is there a way that we can take, we can sleep in shifts? Is it more a situation of how we're sleeping? Um, Is there different things that we can do about the environment that can make it better for baby and mom? So it sounds like a lot of stuff and it is a lot of stuff, but we're really like, we're big picture people. So we try to look at everything in the picture to see like, okay, what is out of place here that we can tweak a little bit to get to the end goal of what mom wants? Because maybe mom is like, you know what? I don't care about my house. It can be super messy, but I just like want to make sure that I can exclusively breastfeed. So what are the little components that go into that that help her with her end goal? And then once we do the evaluation and we kind of make a plan, then we would see her probably about once a week for usually six to eight visits and see how far we can progress. And we might look at a little bit, one of those components, like, or several of those components for every visit. So we might like talk about sleep. We might talk about mental health. We might talk about breastfeeding, like in each session and kind of work towards those end goals, if that makes sense. Uh, That was really interesting. So if like a woman like just wants to exclusively breastfeed and she can't figure out a way around that, um, what are some other, what are some other number one goals that women have that maybe I wouldn't have thought about? Like, I, I think there might be some women who are just like, I just need this house clean all the time. And if it's not clean, I feel crazy. Yeah, for sure. The, um, the feeling crazy. Like, and it, the thing is, is that people 
can't necessarily articulate their goals very well, especially moms. Mm. I find that moms, especially in that like fourth trimester, very fresh postpartum phase, they don't say, hey, there's a problem here. I need help. They're just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. And so that's the hardest part about working with this population is that we initially thought like, hey, we're going to go in and offer moms all of these tools to solve their problems, their pain, their discomfort, you know, their clutter, their sensory regulation. And moms, when we started talking to moms and like interacting with moms in the community, we realized like, oh my gosh, they're so in the thick of it that they don't even realize that A, they need help or B, what they need help with. And so until there's like a pressing need. So the pressing need is usually like pain. So mom's having some sort of pain that's like stopping her from doing something. And usually it's related to like pregnancy or birth. So sometimes it's like a birth injury or just like a little thing from pregnancy or even like the positioning of her body when she's like breastfeeding or like interacting with her infant that is just like overwhelming. So, so pain is one. And then um, the big thing we've been seeing most recently is like feeding issues. My baby won't eat, or this is like something that I cannot tolerate. Uh, we had one mom who came to us because she was triple feeding around the clock for six weeks. Whew. And so that's not sustainable. It's like, that is like a pain point that is like, okay, I don't know what to do about this, but I can't do this any longer. Um, Meaning she had triplets. She showed triple feeding is basically a strategy that you use to increase either weight gain in the infant to make sure that they're getting enough milk. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Or, or um, supply. So it's, it's pumping, breastfeeding, and bottle feeding all in the same feeding session. Oh my God. But then also people who have more than one, like twins or. Oh yeah. That's, and that's, plus, yeah, plus, that's plus. basically, yeah. Double, triple feeding. <laughs> you could absolutely look at it that way. <laughs> I laugh because I, you know, I always say like, I know nothing. You know, nothing, Jon Snow. Like I know nothing. So like I go into these, I learn something new every day. I didn't know that was called triple feeding. Um, I, I, I definitely, it resonates with me because my fourth trimester was really hard and it was only because one of my friends is a perinatal therapist <laughs> that I even like realized that I was having, you know, PPA, like postpartum anxiety. Like there is no way without that person just talking to me on a regular basis, I would have been like, oh yeah, I probably need to go get some help. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And she, she probably saw something that you just had no idea. You were like, so looking at all of the little picture, li the little things about like keeping this human alive that you probably yeah. didn't realize it. And I think that that's one of the huge things about having healthcare professionals involved in maternal health is that ideally you'd have a network of healthcare professionals all working together. And so in your situation, if you had an actual like diagnosable disorder, a mental health professional is going to be absolutely your best bet for getting better and 
it's hard to do on your own. You like absolutely need that professional to help guide you through that. You want to say hi to Jessica? Oh. <laughs> uh, I say this once in a while. Do you know what I feel like is the worst racket ever? The, is this is a, a racket. Is that what other example do we have of a human going through major abdominal surgery, major surgery, and number one, not having PT or check-ins with their doctor more than once to get like staples out, and then you are systematically expected to take care of a human after. Let me tell you, if men were the ones giving birth, that would not be the case. Oh my gosh, Carrie, I like Zero love chance. you so much for bringing Zero this chance. up. This is like, so this is like <laughs> a huge, huge thing because I, so I work in the hospital as an occupational therapist and we get orders for like appendectomies. We'll go up there, patients like, you know, has, and these are like laparoscopic. So they're like very small incisions and they'll be moving around. They'll be fine. Um, but it's good. I think it's good to have eyes on that patient to make sure that, you know, they feel like they can go home and safely do the things that they need to do during the day. But mothers who have grown a baby, undergone a major abdominal surgery through like nine layers, had that pulled out of them and their inside shoved back inside glued back shut, we are not, not only are we not laying eyes on these women, we're not teaching them how to get out of bed. I mean, even vaginal births mess everything up and twisting and using your core to sit up or to do anything is, is impossible. We're not teaching women how to get out of bed and we're not teaching them how to care for themselves and a newborn baby right out of the hospital. It's crazy. It's just, it is insane. It's a racket, like period. End of sentence. It's terrible. And I keep on saying to myself every single time I have a conversation like this that, because I was a poli-sci major, so I kind of like, my brain goes that way. And I'm just like, oh my God, if I have the energy later in my life, I need to lobby for this. Like I need to lobby for this for, for, um, for the insurance care to shift to a model that is more like other surgeries, that is like vaginal birth or C-section. Like I broke my leg and the like step-by-step in stone for every single person who has a fib-tib fracture, the one, two, three that every single doctor does, it's so good. It's like... I had like, I can't tell you how many physical therapy sessions, more than 20, more than 20. And like, no problem. Here's your prescription. Go and sign up, get your first. And it's just like not questioned by the insurance company. It's not questioned by anybody because you broke your damn leg. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, having babies is expected of us. And oftentimes moms will go to their healthcare professionals or providers and say, hey, I'm having a problem. And they're like, oh, well, you know, that's just pregnancy. That's just postpartum and, and completely brush it off. Um, I was talking to one mom who has had 
tailbone pain since her birth. And now her baby is 16 months old. She actually went to her OB and said, hey, I'm having a lot of pain. Can we do anything about this? And the OB was like, well, that's just postpartum. You know, postpartum is uncomfortable. And so she asked, I think she asked for a pelvic floor therapy prescription, which exactly is what she should have done. But apparently even that pelvic floor therapist turned her away, which is absolutely crazy. I told her to go back because she's she was where she needed to be. Um, pelvic floor therapy is amazing and can do really amazing things. And they're actually trained in pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's absolutely every person who has had a birth, whether out of their, wherever it comes out of, <laughs> needs to have OT and PT right there in the hospital. And they need to have a pelvic floor, not only follow up, but follow through. And it can happen actually before that six week um, clearance. They just can't do exercises, but they can actually get like a before and after sort of picture. And, um, and then what we do, maternal health occupational therapy, that is also needed because we need to be supporting our moms and our family units um, and giving them the tools to raise children. <laughs> well, for example, like I had a friend who gave birth to twins and they were preemies because a lot of times that's what happens. And they were however many weeks early. So insurance automatically covered OT for her babies for a very long time and specific time frames. I'm sure you know this because this is your field, not mine. Like, there should be the same situation with pelvic floor therapy before and after the birth for every single birth in America covered by insurance. Do you know anything about how these things get put into play? Oh, gosh. It's like, <laughs> so because, yeah. like, <sighs> part of it is definitely politics and. But the problem in this country is that we have private insurance companies. And so every insurance company has kind of separate policies about what they will and will not cover easily. Um, and then all of that is like based on Medicare and Medicaid coverage because they kind of set the example for all the private insurance companies. Um, and so lactation for example didn't used to be covered under insurance and now slowly i think it was the affordable care act actually helped change that where lactation is something mm -hmm. that should be covered under insurance but it's still not automatically covered and so usually the lactation consultants will bill as out of network coverage the, the patient pays cash for that service and then has to ask their insurance to reimburse them. And even now, sometimes Ugh. that's not happening. And so it's, yeah, I mean, what you're describing, like just automatic blanket coverage would be amazing and should be that way and is that way in other countries. Well, 
I know that um, I talked to Dr. Janae, who comes on the podcast every once in a while. She said because of the ACA, we also have covered IUDs. Yes. And that wasn't the case before that. So basically, we are talking about legislation and lobbying. That's, that's what that is. And um, I don't know, you guys, I am, I am like, I, it seems like you're doing the same. Like, I am very, are you, you're part Asian? I am, I'm half Chinese. Okay. Okay. I feel your vibes coming through the Zoom. <laughs> the the Asian vibes. Yes. And my, my, uh, <laughs> more specifically the Chinese vibes. I always feel it because, um, a lot of, a lot of people are like this, but most, most of the Chinese women I know are just thinking like 18 years ahead of where they are. Like whether that's a good or a bad thing, it's not necessarily, you know, the jury's still out on if that's positive or negative, but now that I'm not like obsessed with performing anymore, I'm like thinking about what I should be doing, should be doing with my valuable time. You know, this resource of time is our most valuable commodity. And, um, I like, cause I was going to go into politics and sometimes it's not a regret because I don't think I would have done it differently, but like, I get sad that I didn't have my, um, multiverse life. Yes. Do you ever have that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like, oh, my gosh, there are so many things that I could be doing. Um, yeah, I absolutely get that, especially starting this business. You know, we kind of zoomed in on the population that we want to help. But then there's so many ways to do that. And it is. It's really, really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to because, yes, your time is finite and um, your mental capacity is finite. <laughs> Yes. And you have kids. Yes. Yes. And you have kids. So yes. And, <laughs> but yes, we definitely, we need people in politics that will help push these things forward because it's all about who, you know, who you're talking to and when, and what kind of money and effect that you have. Resources that yep. you have. Yeah. I feel like, um, also, this is coming up a lot, like the, the women question. It's like, it, it almost feels like, and I don't want to say it is because everybody's experience is different, but generally like, oh, you're a woman. So it's just like not important because you are expected to hold the world up with your shoulders anyway. Right. And yeah. Well, and so much of politics, so much of medicine, so much of design, all of that stuff is based on a very small population of people usually white males of a certain socioeconomic status and so yeah white cis white yes, cis yes. <laughs> males in a particular socioeconomic situation and um you know just the situation in america where because of so much that's going on there are going to be more forced births that happen women are going to die because of these laws that are putting into place. So, you know, you and I are talking about like getting PT, like covered by insurance. And really our country is going in the opposite direction, complete opposite direction where we're not even valued over a Petri dish anymore. Yep. And, and I live yeah. in the state of so, Texas. And so it's going to be, we're going to see it so much more um, as time goes on. And yeah, it's, and not only if we, 
even talk about the maternal health outcomes that are like deaths and injuries. Just having the moms who end up having children that they did not plan for or cannot accommodate or did not want to accommodate at that time and having to raise those children because we know how difficult it is and what's that going to do to mom's mental health and resources. Yep. And the, and the economic side of it where, um, you know, it's not like the men who impregnate these women are necessarily going to get the bill. Exactly. For all this stuff. Uh, you know, I live in California in my, oh, I don't even just live in California. I live in the thick of the Valley LA. Like I'm in blue bubble, neon blue, <laughs> neon blue, blue bubble. Uh, I'm also very an empathetic person. I'm from Ohio and I, you know, was raised in a different place. And I, I don't just have a mentality of neon blue California. What is it like being there in Texas, working in the perinatal field with all that going on with the different vibes? Like, is it as disastrous as I imagine? Or So I live in Austin and Austin is its own little blue bubble within, <laughs> within Texas. Um, and so I feel like in Austin, we're like a little bit, I don't want to say not as affected, but I think day to day, I'm not thinking about it as much as if I was in another part of Texas. Um, but as a maternal health and perinatal provider, I absolutely have to think about how that's going to affect my clientele and my community. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to be coming up against um, some challenges for sure. And figuring out the best way to support that is, is going to be really tough. Um, yeah, for sure. How often are the underlying problems in the household with the environment like a misogynistic problem? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I feel like the population that we work with personally, like our business, um, we don't see that as much with this particular generation with the particular clients that we're working with. Um, and the reason that I'm saying that is because most of the clients that we're working with actually like they're living in Austin. A lot of them are, um, move here away from their families. So because of jobs or um, quality of life. And so they don't necessarily even have those like family support systems. Um, And a lot of them are older moms, moms that have started families after careers. So I don't see that as much in this generation. But what I see a lot is the effects that it has had on like our parents' generation and how we are trying to parent in a way that kind of gets away from that and what that does to sort of the family dynamics and support mm, systems. That makes sense. Like there isn't like the same uh, mindset of between the generations. So the grandparents 
don't necessarily agree with what the mom's doing or how the couple decides to parent. Yeah. Yeah. And then how are you going to, you know, do you, like, if you know your parents have these sorts of ideals and upbringing, you know, one, do you want them at the birth? Do you want them after the birth? What happens if they do live in town or you go and visit them and you're trying to parent differently? I, I think that that's like really um, a challenge that a lot of the moms and families that we work with do kind of face and have to think about. Yeah. And also if, um, you know, the kids that are being born are mostly millennials right now, right? That's the generation. And so that means their parents are older Gen Z, Gen X, right? Or young boomers. That's the calculation yeah. I'm making. Yeah. Young, young boomers for sure. Yeah. Young boomers or just like boomer boomers. Yes. Yeah. Especially with older parents. I mean, some parents are, you know, 40 in their, in their 40s. early 40s, 40s. Yeah. yeah. And then their parents are boomers and such a different generation. Um, whew, so relevant, Jessica, all of it. We went all sorts of places. <laughs> no, it's so good. Oh my God. Can I tell you how lit up I am about this podcast right now? Like, it's just so inspiring. Like every single episode that I that I record, I just want to release it the next day because I'm so excited. But then I can't do that because I said that about a podcast that was recorded like three weeks ago. So I can't do that. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to balance that. You're the, the occupational therapist on the other side of your screen supports. <laughs> balance <laughs> like I'm so not that there's any any such thing there's no such thing as balance it's all if we can go back to the circus analogy it's all juggling what has to go up in the air so that you can hold this other thing for one second to throw yes the air. yes um I feel like like through these conversations we as a community in this podcast are like tapping into like the soul and the meat of the problem. You know, yes, we might be mothers. Yes, we might be aerialists. And that's the thing that we have in common. But it's like everything touches us. Like all these things are relevant. All of it is relevant. And yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped because it's what I dreamed for it to be. And it's happening. It's amazing. It's exciting. It's amazing. I have learned so much, so much from your podcast. And yeah. <laughs> and I learned it something every day, like triple feeding. Did not know that was called triple feeding. And I did not do that. I had other problems. My bean wouldn't sleep. To the point where my, either my pediatrician remembers every fact about every one of her babies, or my baby was especially bad because she's, we, we brought her in the other day because she has a, like a deep cough. And our pediatrician's like, oh, the baby who wouldn't sleep. I was like, oh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. Question. What was she breastfeeding? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole nother thing because when we look at these like sleep norms for babies, you have to think about what generation those norms were and what the feeding source and practice of those babies were. And if we look at it, a lot of them are formula fed. And so formula fed babies would sleep yeah. a little bit better. 
they sleep differently. The whole mechanics of that is is different than when you have a dyad, which is a mother or whoever is feeding the baby and a baby literally connected together and their physiology is in tandem. And so that is for feeding and for sleep and there's all this hormone shifts going on. And so it's just, it's a whole nother animal when you're talking about sleep in a breastfeeding dyad. Yeah, it was, yeah, what you just said, very scientifically and very smart. And I'll just say, <laughs> yes, yes, very interesting. Uh, I still won't forget it because it was, like last night, I think I got barely eight hours and I'm just like, oh, I wish I could get that extra 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, I think back to like when she was younger and if I could piece together eight hours in three days, I was really lucky, Right. And so I'm just like, oh, oh gosh, yeah. Uh, now I'm like, like if she ever goes through another sleep regression, I can be like, how the fuck did I do this? Because I can't even do it for one night now. I mean, I did it for three months that I was going to like lost my mind. Like actually I think I lost my mind. Um, but Jessica, this was amazing. I'm so happy you reached out. I love it. <laughs> And and yes, for you listeners thank you out so there, much for taking me up on it. Yes, please reach out to me because the fact that I'm able to find a lot of you guys on that amazing Facebook Facebook group is amazing. But like, there's only so much I can find. Like, if you're on the group but you don't actually interact with Facebook very much, because who, like, I mean, Facebook is a cesspool of a lot of crap now, and I don't really go on there all that much anymore. So please reach out to me. Carry it, wrap your head around silks.com. I am the only person who checks my email because this is a one woman operation. One woman. So, um, Jessica, this was a blast. I'm really excited. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye Carrie. Oh my goodness, Jessica. I had so much fun talking to you. We have friends in common. Um, man, I feel like so, like all of my guests, we just connect so, so effortlessly because of what we have in common. So it was great to talk to you. Um, you know, badass mama killing it, doing all the things. I'm very impressed. Very, very impressed. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, listeners, you guys roll it out. It's, it's, there's a 14 day free trial and, uh, you can cancel it anytime. It's a subscription, $19 a month, which if you think about it, um, I teach eight classes a month. You can get eight role classes from the comfort of your own home, um, for 19 bucks. Like it's kind of ridiculous, but, um, you know, I decided it actually does make sense. So, <laughs> So you guys just, just come join us. And if it, if it doesn't work for your schedule or doesn't work for your lifestyle, you know, in the first two weeks, you can always cancel. Um, no questions asked too much talking bean. All right, guys. Uh, and then also check out the website. There's lots of free resources for you. And then greener grass, which is my other podcast. If you want to get into other worldly topics, Hey, why are Why? Cause you want to go to lunch? What are we going to eat today? Can you tell the listeners? Um, We're going to have noodles. We're going to go get pho. We're going to get pho. Yeah, yummy. Um, 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 greener grass, if you just want to hear the sound of my voice. It's fun. It's really fun. 
All right, guys. Uh, please uh, honor me with a five-star rating and review. What do you mean? That's always been there. That's my hard drive. She really wants to talk to you guys today. What do you want to say to the listeners, Bean? We have to brush your hair, too, because your hair is all tangly. All right, my friends. <laughs> this, this, this outro is lasting forever because I'm just trying to get the words out. Um, yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here. Over and out. This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Slux. This is Inspective Ariel's podcast with Digital Podcast. I did it. We did it. You want to say goodbye? Oh. Uh-huh.